You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Hi, this is Tony Collins, and I am, you are here with us today with the Legal Connection Show. Uh, my co-host, Cheryl, is not here with us. Um, she broke her ribs. <laughs> Just sort of a, an odd thing, and she was explaining it to me. Um, but let me go ahead and tell you more about our show. This is the Legal Connection Show. Uh, you can, uh, we are here today. We are a, 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 a public service a radio channel that helps you if you have any legal questions. And it, you can reach us at www.thelegalconnectionshow.com. And if you have any questions, you can send them to questions at thelegalconnectionshow.com. And we will uh, get around to answering those questions for you, possibly on the air, uh, if, uh, if you allow us to, if you give us permission. And uh, we might use them anyway and not give you, uh, you know, not give you a shout out or use your name if you want to keep it confidential. Uh, today's show is going to be on uh, juvenile law. And uh, initially, uh, Cheryl and I had contemplated doing the show on uh, annexation. But with that uh, topic, I had wanted to bring in uh, some of our local city officials. And since all of them seem to be sort of out of pocket today, campaigning or working or doing whatever they do, uh, I've decided to go to a topic that I think is of a lot of interest to our listeners, and that's juvenile law. Now, um, juvenile law is a law that has to do with uh, with children under 17 and and how the the law addresses uh, when there's, uh, I guess, misbehavior, uh, uh, possible criminal activity, but it doesn't go, it's not called a crime when a person is not adjudicated as an adult and they're under 17. And um, it's an area of law that, unless you have kids, you really, uh, you're interested in it if somebody, if some kid does something bad to you and you hear about it on uh, on TV or, or the radio or what have you in the newspaper. But other than that, you um, you probably don't have a, a, a vested interest in knowing about all the, the, the particulars about uh, what will happen with kids. But it is a, 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 a well-versed area of law. And uh, if, with any of y'all that are young parents, uh, may want to see what you're getting yourselves into or just know what the, your rights are and what your kids' rights are. That's what we're going to talk about today. And um, so we had some questions, and I'm going to answer some of those. But th- there's so many different topics that, that go into juvenile law. And uh, it is, uh, how do I put this? It's, it's, an, it's when you go to court, you don't go to a criminal court. You, are, you go to the juvenile court. And um, I do a, a Bible study on the weekends. Uh, I kind of, I think I learn more than the kids do, actually, uh, with some kids that are, uh, they're, they're not, I wouldn't call it, it's incarceration, but it's not, it's like in these youth camps because they are not uh, considered adults and they have to be, uh, I guess, rehabilitated is what it's called. And um, so, uh, so a lot of the, those kids have some questions about, you know, where they're at and what they need to do and that kind of thing. But let's just get started with some of the, the listener questions. And um, we're going to talk about liability of parents for their children's acts. So all you people that have young children that you're thinking this is, uh, you know, you couldn't wait, which is a wonderful thing to have kids. But sometimes, sometimes... Uh, your kids have their own free will, as we all know, and they choose to do the wrong thing, and there are repercussions to that, and uh, and sometimes the parents get kind of pulled into this. And so, um, I guess the first question that we have is, is it right to hold a person responsible for the acts of another? And that goes for children or, or adults. And... Um, Usually, the answer is usually not. One adult can't control the behavior of another and, as a rule, has no duty to do so. 
But what if a person who does not have the duty to control someone else's behavior doesn't? And that harm results to a third party. That's what happens when your kids do something wrong, uh, generally, depending on their age and that kind of thing. Uh, and the first thing that comes to mind is is kids in the supermarket. You've seen the commercial where, um, or maybe on YouTube or Facebook, where you know there, there's some kid at Walmart that's knocking down all the displays while the mom passively sort of, uh, her discipline style is to let the kid do whatever they need to do so they can kind of grow while everybody around, including the store manager, is, you know, incensed by her lack of, of discipline. And, and so you, you kind of, this, this kind of answers that in a, in a small way. Parents have a duty to use reasonable discipline to control their children. They're supposed to teach them the appropriate behavior and see that they follow the rules. If a child causes harm to someone else, the child usually has no money of his own to pay for that third party's loss. So what's fair? For the third party to bear the loss or for the children's parents to do so? Um, There isn't a perfect answer, but there is a legal one. And you may decide to think more carefully about giving Dick or Jane the keys to the family car. Very, very important. I've seen this happen so many times. I have a case right now where um, a friend I went to high school with, her uh, son uh, actually, it wasn't even a juvenile. It was her husband, her our now ex-husband, um, was driving while intoxicated in the son's car. And uh, this actually happened to uh, actually an, even another client of mine. And uh, they ran into, this person ran into somebody, which was bad. Uh, the other person had run into a, a car. And what they do is they call the police and they leave the scene. They call the police and declare the car ha- having been stolen, uh, which is terrible. And generally, this is not something you should ever do. Um, in both instances, I take that back. In one instance, they got caught. In the other instance, it they pulled off this little charade, which was pretty bad. Um, but what happens is somebody will witness it, and they'll trace the car title back to somebody, and the insurance companies get involved. And then, you know, it's just a, a comedy of, 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 I don't want to say of errors, but it's it's just always best to tell the truth. I think that if there's a situation where, somebody is driving a, a, a vehicle while intoxicated, whether it's a youth or whatever, um, it's nice to kind of cultivate and inform some kind of story, but the truth will set you free. And uh, silence is golden. As an attorney, I'll say use your Fifth Amendment rights. But, um, but ultimately, if somebody has caused harm by, by that behavior, there should be uh, a compensation and insurance companies get involved. So um, that's what we have insurance for. Uh, I'm sure the person that was driving the car had no intent to harm somebody. But at any rate, um, that being said, uh, let's go back to Children's Acts. Uh, it, what happens when you're 12 to, uh, let's say, 17, because that's the age of, uh, that's when you're considered a, a juvenile in the eyes of the law, 17 and under. Let's say your kid, even younger, 10 years old, uh, gets the keys to your car and decides that they want to experience uh, adulthood early because they've watched you drive and they uh, are pretty good at it. I saw, a, um, I was listening to the radio about a year ago when it came up that a 12-year-old girl uh, had taken the family car and went on a joy ride. And, uh, and there was a police chase that uh, ensued. And uh, I believe ultimately uh, she was caught. Uh, she was just, she was mad at her grandmother or something. And there was um, some liability. You know, she was held accountable to a very limited extent for all of the damage that she caused. Um, they tried to hold her grandmother liable, but I guess her grandmother got around it too. But this goes to uh, keep your keys under wrap. <laughs> Get a lockbox for your car keys. That seems to be a, a, a reoccurring uh, action with uh, juveniles that misbehave is taking the car and getting and causing harm to third parties without their parents knowing. Um, anyway, can parents be held liable for their children's acts? So um, I will ask this question to our, our our station engineer, Ethan. What do you think? Can parents be held liable for their children's acts? Um, I think it all depends on the age. Like, uh, I think, well, I don't, I don't know about liable per se I think it's kind of a gray area because like it's obviously when you like turn 18 and you know you're an adult and your decisions even when you're like 17 that 
back. I still still don't think that. But like underneath that, it's like still like a gray area. It's yeah. not not exactly sure. Good answer because the answer is sometimes. Um, I recall so vividly um, the ages of twelve forward, and so I think twelve is kind of the age of reason. In fact, I remember ten forward. Um, Kids get married and have kids at 15. We've seen all the, the shows on, you know, the, I guess, on the internet, uh, what are those channels? The, um, you know, uh, when you see them on cable, or I don't even think it's cable anymore. It's uh, direct TV or satellite. And uh, so people, uh, children are not necessarily children anymore when they're making adult decisions and they become emancipated by their own acts many times. Um, but But you're exactly right. Depending on the age, um, that's how they determine whether or not in in a court um, they can be adjudicated or certified to be an adult and be held accountable for their acts at a younger age. And a lot of things go into this criteria, and they usually get ad litems to represent the kids and that kind of thing to determine what court they should be in. But the answer is, the book answer is, a parent has the duty to control and discipline a child. Therefore, if a child's negligence causes property damage, and his negligence is due to his parents' failure to control or discipline him, the parents can be held liable for the damage. The child's age doesn't matter as long as he's under 18. And that's a you know another gray area because um, 17 and older, you are in the criminal courts you know, in, in the state of Texas, but you're still considered a juvenile um, if you're under 18. And um, so that can... That can present problems for the courts also because uh, that that gray area between 17 and 18, when kids, as we all know, and we were there once too, uh, between 17 and 18 are behaving like adults, but their brains are still, they haven't had the experience to make a lot of really good decisions. Um, They're motivated by the seven deadly sins, you know, uh, gluttony, greed, envy, uh, uh, you know, just, I forget what they all are right off, but but 17-year-olds are, uh, many of them are not making good decisions. I can say that I know many 17-year-olds that are amazing. So so that doesn't go across the board. But that being said, um, uh, a, a child of 12 through 17 will, if a child uh, between the ages of 12 and 17 willfully and maliciously does something that results in property damage, the parents are liable, period. If the child is under 12 or over 17, they are not liable, nor are they liable if the child was married when the damage occurred. So if you get married, you're emancipated because now the spouse takes that on, whether it be a girl or a guy. Okay, so um, that being said, I know that we're getting ready to go on a break. Um, this is uh, the Legal Connection Show. We're talking about juvenile law today. And um, when we come back, we're going to discuss it a little bit further about parents' liability. If you have some kids that may need a little bit more discipline or what liability you may have if they're falsely accused and that kind of thing. So uh, we will talk to you when we get back after this station break. Hispanic Chamber Connections with Dr. Carlos Sanchez, president of the Woodlands Conroe Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, featuring event announcements, member highlights, and more. Tuesdays at 1 p.m., broadcasting from the heart of Conroe, Texas, on IRLoneStar.com and Conroe's FM 104.5-106.1. A Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's radio station with talk, music, weather, and traffic for Montgomery County. Have a question or comment about one of our shows? Want to know how to reach a host? Just contact the station at IRLoneStar.com or call in and leave a message at 936-647-3776. Get involved with your community with Lone Star Community Radio. L. Collins at the Legal Connection Show. That's the TLC show, getting you a little legal TLC. Uh, my co-host Cheryl is not with us today because she broke her rib, and I miss her. <laughs> I, I miss having her dialogue, but I've got uh, the station engineer, Ethan, that I'm bouncing some ideas off of, and uh, it, this is kind of fun. So uh, uh, feel free to contact us at www.legalconnectionshow.com. 
If you have any questions, um, you can email us at questions at legalconnectionshow.com. We have a voicemail if you have any questions about this show or just any general legal qu- questions. Uh, we'll be happy to answer them to the extent that we can, but uh, we are, you know, uh, uh, we are doing this as a public service, so we won't know all of the, the, the particulars about your case unless you were actually to hire us. Um, our, uh, the, uh, we're also on Facebook at uh, the www.facebook.com, The Legal Connection Show. And we are at IRLoneStar.com on Tuesdays between 12 and 1. And you can listen to us on the internet. Uh, we have podcasts if you want to look at that later. And on, we are on the FM 104.5 and 106.1. Uh, when you want to list this. Okay. Now, after all that station identification, um, the uh, one thing that comes to mind that I didn't mention is this is Holy Week. And uh, I, I know y'all, you know, d- d- despite or no matter what your religion is, it's it's holy for, for many religions. And uh, it's something that's been on my mind. Um, you know, I went to Mass this morning and it really was just taken by the whole uh, passion of Christ and reliving what he had done for us and that kind of thing. And it goes toward um, kind of what we're talking about today because um, we are all God's children and this, we are talking about juvenile law and the law of children. And, and you know, we have to behave as to, to, we, we are taught by God how to behave by the Ten Commandments. And here uh, we are sort of taking an agency as parents of children to teach them to behave or there are consequences. And so that's what we're kind of talking about today was, uh, the consequences of the liability of parents for their children's acts. And so the next question that we had is, um, is there any limit to the dollar amount of property damage for which parents can be held liable? And uh, so I'm going to go over once again to interact with Ethan. What do you think? Uh, can you restate the question? Yes, yes, I'll re- <laughs> yes Your Honor. Um, is there any limit to the dollar amount of property damage for which parents can be held liable? I'm going to say no. This is odd. I would have said no, too, because you would think that if they're liable, they're liable. The the answer is yes. The, The most parents can be required to pay for their child's willful and malicious conduct is $25,000. That means all you'd have to have insurance for is $25,000, plus court costs and attorney's fees. They can only be held liable for the actual amount of damages, not for punitive damages, but the $25,000 limit applies to a single incident. If the child does the same thing next week, his parents can be liable for up to $25,000 in damages all over again. So there does does need to be some discipline (laughs) because your child keeps doing the same thing. That could run your bill up quite a bit. A law concerning property damage to hotels says one incident doesn't cover incidents in separate rooms. So if you're in the Woodlands and you're renting out the hotel for your child's prom or graduation, and there's a lot of rooms, and I've seen parents that do this, um, beware, because this this could run your bill up considerably, get a lot of insurance. Um, as for damage negligently caused by a child, if it happened because his parents weren't controlling or disciplining him, there is no legal limitation on the amount of property damage the parents may be required to pay. So the answer is kind of both. There is no limit if the parents were negligent because you can see the parents, right? Okay, so how is parental liability determined? A lawsuit is filed by the damaged party. And, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is um, next door neighbors. You know, if you've got some kid that's, you know, running the fence down or throwing stuff over the fence or runs the car into the neighbor's, you know, lot or, you know, does something dog. Let's say you have a bad seat or maybe just, you know, it's an innocent thing. Um, That's the first thing that comes to mind is because you're, these are not just third parties you don't know. These are people that you don't know that well necessarily, depending on how far apart you live and that kind of thing and how often the neighbors change if there's a, you know, a turnover in the neighborhood. But um, but uh, if the parents of the child who caused the damage must be given proper notice and a chance to hire an attorney. Unless the attorneys reach an agreement, a judge or a jury will decide the issue of whether the parents are liable for the damages and if so, the amount they must pay. And this is like in any lawsuit. If there is, um, you know, if somebody has uh, made some kind of claim, whether it's to, with a child or not, you have, a, you have because of the law and, and our Constitution, the right to be heard by a judge or jury unless a settlement can be reached beforehand. Now, can a child sue a parent? What do you think, Ethan? Can you see your parents? 
Uh, can I? Can you see your? I would say no. I mean, <laughs> would you want to see your parents? I mean, I mean, well, I mean, then you're then you're going into the whole. Um, uh, I don't know. It's just like if you're it depends on how old you are, I guess. But like, if you're like over, if you're like over <laughs> eighteen, but like if you're a seven year old, then you like. You know, taking away a taking away like your cookie could be like something that would like vex <laughs> exactly. you really bad. And you're like, I'm, I'm going to sue you. sue you for <laughs> taking away my cookie. You're a thief. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, maybe I mean, again, and I think it all depends on the age. Like, yeah. if you're over 18, you're an adult, and they yeah. d- and they do something, you can. I mean, it depend, all depends good, on the legal that's system. That's a good response. If you're over 18, of course you can see your parents, and it happens all the time. Like um, J. Howard Marshall, the son, I think, he didn't sue his father, but he sued the estate. But he was suing against his father's wishes or to determine his father's wishes, I suppose. But, you know, I don't know exactly what the ramifications or the actual claims were in the Anna Nicole Smith lawsuit. I don't know why I keep gravitating to Anna Nicole Smith in the J. Howard Marshall lawsuit, but I knew that the sons had sued her and there was a lot of family discord. But yes, adult children sue their parents all the time. It is not, uh, I don't want to say it's that common. And, and that kind of goes to me toward honor of thy father and thy mother. I mean, really, I think from a from the big picture standpoint, God gave you those parents. You shouldn't be suing them. You should just perhaps maybe walk away, but don't be. Um, it, it just adds to the whole parental discord and and the the quality of your life when you go around suing your parents. But um, yes, the the answer is yes, you can sue a parent. Um, uh, there, the answer is it depends. But let's go to your seven year old uh, 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 example. It's unlikely that a seven year old, unless they were really bright or had a parent that was a lawyer, would know that they would have the rights to sue their parent. They may get mad. And as I recall, I tried to run away at seven. I I I filled my Barbie. Tootie and Todd dollhouse with the essentials, which I think was a diet, you know, I don't think they had diet Coke, but it was a Coke and some, some, uh, a little Debbie Swiss cake roll. I remember, I remember being really angry about something and leaving, but that my, mine was a fight or flight. And I really didn't care if I was in an orphanage. I just did not want to be there anymore. And I think within the next 10 minutes after my mother told me to go ahead and go, she was reading some story to me and it was not necessarily all forgotten, but when you're seven, these are, your brain is like tomato, and it's mush, and so you really don't know right from wrong, and you need to, your parents need to have the gentle hand that I guess God would have with you if we live in his, you know, in, in his image that you would have with your kids. Okay, so that being said, the answer is, well, it depends. In the past, children could not sue their parents for injuries arising from the parents' negligent acts if those acts occurred in the course of the performance of the custodial parental duties. Those duties are wide-ranging, but since 1971, I guess hippie age, um, a series of cases has allowed a child to sue a parent for damages in certain circumstances where the act which caused the injuries wasn't basically the performance of a normal parental duty. And, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, and this may not be a good example, but but I see it in, 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 in my line of work, is um, step-parents and... Um, adoptive parents that are doing bad things to their children, whether it be taking their trust fund or, um, you know, abusing them. Happens a lot with CPS. That's why CPS has to get involved. There has to be third parties that are recognizing the child's abuse. But but you can now see your parents, particularly if they've got a lot of money and they're getting away with this junk, um, uh, they've opened up the doors to allow you to do that. So um, uh, that being said, I know that now we are... Um, getting ready to go on to a station break. So uh, we are uh, Lone Star Radio, and this is the Legal Connection Show. We will be back shortly, and we'll be discussing some of the uh, alternatives to suing your parent and, and what types of cases where that can, um, you can uh, go forward and employ that type of solution. Listen in Mondays at noon to hear Conroe news from local nonprofits, businesses, upcoming events, Conroe Park events, news stories, and information that matters to you with your host, Margie Taylor of Taylorized PR. For more information about being a guest, visit IRLoneStar.com slash Conroe Culture. 
Our talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out IRLoneStar.com sponsor for more information. Or call in and leave us a message at 936-647-3776. L. Collins, and you're listening to the Legal Connection Show. Uh, again, our website is www.legalconnectionshow.com. And my co-host Cheryl is out today because she broke her rib. And we all want to pray for her that she feels a little bit better. That is just, you know, a horrible situation being. And she told me she's in so much pain. Um, you know, it just makes me think back on our law enforcement and public servants that that help us all the time and and they get injured like this and she's telling me how much pain they're in and you just really uh, when you put it all into perspective it's just you know you have to uh, to really appreciate and honor them for what they do for us um anyway uh to get back onto our topic um it's we were talking about whether or not a child can sue a parent and um the, uh, you know, since 1971 children can sue their parents uh, things a lot of things were happening back in 1971 I can just uh I vaguely remember that. I was uh, like 10 years old at the time and, and ice skating. That was what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an Olympic champion. So I was skating every day. So I wasn't involved in reading the paper. I don't think many 10-year-olds are anyway. But um, it was just a really, uh, uh, that, that, that period during the Vietnam War and there was so much um, uh, civil rights and, and gender rights and all these type of things happening that a lot of new laws were passed. And in 71, uh, they passed a law so that you could see your parents. Now, um, Children have been permitted to see their parents for injuries received in an automobile's accident resulting from the parent's negligence. So don't get any ideas, kids. Um, uh, usually it's the, the other parent of their divorce that does this to get money. But, um, but these things do happen. And um, so kind of bear that in mind. If it's really severe, then, and, and there's some money that needs to be had to uh, make them whole, then, then that's the right thing to do. But again, honor thy father and thy mother it was probably just an accident. Uh, and that's why they call it an accident. And a child who has been permitted to bring a wrongful death action against the estate of his father for the death of his mother in an airplane crash in which the father was a pilot of the plane. So um, depending on the circumstances, kids can see their parents, but um, it's never a happy time when when uh, it goes to that extent that the parents are suing, uh, children are suing their parents. And the same thing can go for, for parents suing their children, which happens to, you kind of want to, you know, we only have a short time here in, in, in life. And, you know, one of the commandments is honor your father and their mother. And parents, yeah, I think uh, morally you could sue your kids, but uh, certainly children shouldn't sue their parents. It's just morally improper unless something really, really bad happened. And then still, I that wouldn't be something I would probably uh, look. I don't think anybody would. Uh, uh, I don't think God would look highly upon that. So, so anyway, here, uh, it's kind of going along with that topic uh, is children who are suspected of breaking the law. And this is something that I've uh, been involved with uh, when my own kid, not my kids, my kids didn't break the law, fortunately. I've, I don't know whether I was a good parent or just got lucky, I think the latter. But um, children that smoke pot at school and they're, they're accused of shoplifting at the mall and, and various other uh you know, driving without a license. There's a lot of things that kids do sort of almost as a, a passive right to be adults, I guess, or just being kids, and they get in trouble with the law. And um, so uh, this is this is for you parents and kids that need to know about this. Um, children who break the law present unique problems. Whether they're a shoplifter or a killer, you just can't handle a 12-year-old exactly the same way that you're going to handle someone who's 38 who's committed the same crime before. Um, at the same time, you certainly don't want to ignore their actions because uh, there are always consequences and repercussions for things that people do intentionally. Or you need to determine whether they're negligent or, or reckless or, you know, what the different levels are. Um, in answer to that dilemma, special laws were enacted regarding children who commit crimes and special courts called juvenile courts were established to administer those laws. Um, although in all 50 states, although all 50 states now have juvenile courts, the first was established in Illinois. Hmm. 
kind of interesting. I didn't think Illinois was um, the uh, the maverick for that kind of thing, but but I guess the the, the state of our former president and Oprah, I guess uh, they are. I, what, what is Chicago the the third largest city? What is Chicago? You have any idea? I have no idea. I know it's pretty large, though. I think they're the third largest behind New York City and Los Angeles and. Houston's fourth, so we're in the running with him. But anyway, I'll go with here. I'll say because of the God, uh, there's a lot of crime in Chicago and what have you. Maybe that's why. Um, they do handle uh, some other types of cases now, but juvenile courts first came to being to address two basic problems, children who break the law and children who are abused, neglected, and abandoned. I mean, it's, there's both sides of the sword where children need to be protected and their, their cases need to be adjudicated. Some jurisdictions with large populations have juvenile courts, which hear nothing but juvenile cases. And in some other areas, a court which hears many kinds of cases also um, is designated as a juvenile court, um, court of law. And I know that in Harris County, we have juvenile courts, and I've been to the juvenile court building many times, and it is just, um, it's just crazy town. I, I don't even have to describe it. You've got parents who don't really know who to turn to, what kind of lawyer to hire, You've got judges that can't hold the children necessarily because they are, they, you can't have a bond for a kid. Um, the first thing you learn when you start representing children is they're either going to stay in what's called juvie or juvenile detention um, until a parent can pick them up, or they're going to, um, or, or, you know, they find that there's a safe place for them to go and they're not going to be doing anything bad, or they're going to stay in juvenile detention. So there's two ways. You're either going home with your parents or an adult that can supervise you and the court feels that they, they can do that are um, you are, you're going to stay in juvenile detention. And it's a really sad place for uh, these kids to be because they're being yanked from their school. They're being yanked out of their environment. And the juveniles that I've represented for the most part are sincerely some of the nicest kids. You wouldn't know that they're doing these bad things. And a lot of it is just lack of parental um, guidance. They're, by themselves a lot, and uh, they may be in gangs, and the gangs are after them. And um, one kid that I represented just loved this kid. He was uh, 15, the sweetest kid ever. Um, he uh, was accused of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. And what happened was he opened fire on a carload of people in a Tahoe outside of his house. And that in and of itself sounds just terrible, but the circumstances were very different than than what was being um, than what was uh, being portrayed on the claim uh, in the claim. the uh, The kid was being had been tracked down and was being assaulted by um, by his uh, by his, uh, uh, gang members, and they had beat him up severely in the park and had come back around in this car to further assault him. And it's been going on for a few months. And so what do you do when you're trying to protect yourself and your parents aren't around and you've been, your life has been threatened and now you've gone and you actually have guns. This is what happened to this kid. He didn't know how to protect himself and they had threatened his life and his parents' life. And so he opened fire. And fortunately, uh, nobody got hurt. This guy, uh, he must've had a guardian angel looking after him and the people that were uh, involved in this because um, he blew out the windows of this car and not one person was injured. And so uh, that, that's just by the grace of God that nothing worse happened. Um, so anyway, you have to look at the whole story and that's what the juvenile courts are for. Um, many times you're appointed an attorney, but these kids in general shouldn't be looked upon as really bad kids. Um, there is always two sides of the story and um, you want to get them into a good environment. And I'm telling you what, the parents have many, many children. The parents are doing the best they can. They're, they're working two and three jobs, trying to take care of the family. They're religious. Um, it's just a situation that um, society needs to address. And, and, and as an attorney, it just, it breaks my heart when I'm trying to get them back out of this situation. But, but many, many times these kids need rehabilitation because they are on drugs. They're involved with drug dealers that have sort of taken them into the fold and, uh, they're they're required to by the drug dealers to to do their their dirty deeds and, or else they're going to hurt them and that's kind of what happened here. So uh, that all being said, um, uh, when you say that there's a lot of bad kids out there, um, 
these bad kids really need as a community, as a village for us to help a lot of them. And it's just the understanding of that one person that can step in and help that may make all the difference. And um, so just kind of bear that in mind. Um, anyway, the majority of our laws which concern children who commit crimes are found in the Juvenile Justice Code, which is a part of the Texas Family Law Code. Um, our legislators have tried to balance two important interests when these laws were drafted. They wanted to ensure the safety of the community. At the same time, they they provide, needed to provide treatment, training, and rehabilitation for the children who are breaking the law. So um, it is important that, uh, you know, it's twofold, just like they said, just like with any crime, you need to protect the people that are being injured. At the same time, you need to help the children who need guidance and rehabilitation. And um, uh, they attempted to promote this concept of punishment for criminal acts, yet where appropriate to remove the taint of criminality from the children. And as a practical matter, it's not always easy. And we're going to talk about that in society and, and some of the things that you need to look at as uh, parents and as teachers uh, and even uh, juvenile court uh, attorneys. We're going to look at that when we come back. This is the Legal Connection Show, and uh, we'll continue with our discussion on juvenile law when we come back. Lone Star Community Radio presents the Lone Star Radio Troupe. This talented cast will perform radio plays right here in the Lone Star Studios located in downtown Conroe. There will be a new performance every first Sunday of the month. And if you miss the broadcast, just go to Lone Star Community Radio's podcast or YouTube anytime during that month. Go to our LoneStar.com archives to find the Lone Star Radio Troupe's latest play that's available. This is Lone Star Community Radio, Conroe's 104.5 FM and 106.1 FM Community Station. Find us on the web at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is a supporter to the performing arts in Montgomery County, Texas. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show. With monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936 936- Six four seven three seven seven six. Hi, this is Tony L. Collins, and you're listening to the Legal Connection Show at W. And we can also be found at www.legalconnectionshow.com. Um, if you have any questions that we would answer on this topic or on any other legal topic, uh, we will try to address them. We can do it individually. We can do it off the radio or um, directly. So we're trying to do a public service here. Um, you can send those questions at questions at legalconnectionshow.com or you can leave a voicemail at 281-529-5862. And my co-host Cheryl is out today with a broken rib so let's all uh, pray that she feels a lot better. And um, we're going to continue our discussion about um, juvenile law. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's you know, what we kind of uh, talked about before is that, and it's sort of something that's kind of true to, uh, well, not true to my heart, but something that, that's kind of on my heart all the time. And it's, you know, we were all children once, and we know that some the kids kind of go off on the, in the wrong direction for various reasons, whether they feel unloved or, you know, need more attention than someone else. Uh, who knows, who knows what all the reasons are, but, but not all youthful lawbreakers can be, um, rehabilitated and no matter how hard we try and the society must be protected from those who cannot. Um, but we have to remember that the majority can, and they need to get the help that they, they, that they need. And there's just no, um, uh, you know, there's no simple explanation uh, with the emergence of, <clears throat> I'm sorry, <clears throat> with the emergence of drugs and especially crack cocaine, the advent of gangs, 
uh, the deep trouble in parts of our economy that have played a large part in this um, and, and delinquency and, and failure to have good role models. There's just, you know, we, we've heard it all before. There's just a, a multitude of reasons why kids kind of go off in the wrong direction. And we've also heard all the really good stories about how kids can get on the right track with the right rehabilitation, attention, love. If someone just listens, um, you know, if I, I, I look back on my own uh, situation when I was like 17, I think, um, I think that I really just needed somebody that, that I, I could trust that would listen to me. And uh, fortunately, I had some very, very good friends. Uh, they're still my very good friends. I'll give a shout out to my friend, uh, Fred Miranda. Love her to death. Been my, one of my best friends since high school. And, and Dr. Vicki Short. These are friends that I made in high school that had it not been for them to lean on and to listen to, um, I wouldn't be where, you know, I wouldn't be alive today. You know, I just think that that with their guidance and help and just having their trust that uh, and someone to talk to, it really helped me. And so uh, all you kids out there, remember the friends that you make now, if you choose them correctly and, and, and you know, not trusting people that you don't know well, these are going to be your friends for life. Um, and, and, you know, even, at, you know, I'm almost 58. I'm still very, very close friends with people I met in high school. So just kind of bear that in mind. Um, these are not a lot of times the people that you meet and become friends with will be your friends for life if you choose properly and you treat them well and and that kind of thing. Um, okay, which kind of goes to uh, you know uh, what Jesus says: treat people like you want to be treated, and and that goes a long way in life. Um, now, here's a question um, that uh, that that I will kind of throw out there to Ethan. <laughs> um, what can happen to a child who commits a crime? Just kind of, what do you think in, in general? Like uh, under age seventeen, child. Um, <clears throat> I would. Uh, depends on. I guess it would depend on the crime. But I mean, if it was, it warranted like jail time. I suppose like juvenile hall or something like that. Yeah, juvie, which I'd never yeah. even heard of until I was an adult. Oh. Like you're going I, to juvie, you're going to juvie. I heard that all the time when I was a kid. <laughs> oh no, but not not not, to, not towards me. Like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> just, I'm just thinking that like uh, I had never even heard the word juvie until I moved up here to Conroe, and uh, and then suddenly it was like just a part of the common dialogue with parents to their children. And I'm talking every economic level. They would be like, "You're going to go to juvie if you don't behave," and I'm like, "They threaten their kids to go." <laughs> Is juvie? This must be, you know, that, that, that this is where they go to, to you know, the threat. And uh, and this is before I was actually doing a lot more juvenile law. So uh, there really is a juvie, and the really the kids really will stay in juvenile detention at least until their parents can pick them up if they do come pick them up uh, until they're released. And so, um, but what happens is uh, you, you've gotten that uh, partially correct, but I will give you sort of the more textbook answer is. Um, if the child is under the age of 17, the offense isn't called a crime. In Texas, it's called delinquent conduct. So there really is such a thing as a juvenile delinquent. If you're under 17 and you do something bad uh, and you're not married or emancipated, it's, you, it's uh, delinquent conduct. And less serious offenses are referred to as conduct in need of supervision. Well, that's, goes to, uh, remain, that goes without saying. I think parents all know that. Uh, and teachers, lawmakers try to square children, uh, to spare children, the stigma of being labeled criminals. Um, I, I don't know. I never spore my kids that, you know, if they're criminals, I'm like, you're a little criminal and, you know, there's going to be a price to pay. So when you did something wrong, what'd your parents do? Yeah, kind of depended. Uh, I mean, I obviously I'd get in trouble. Uh, when I was a kid, I'd probably get spanked if it was. Oh, uh, so corporal punishment was not uh, frowned upon at your home. No. I mean, I mean, it, I learned my lesson, so. Yeah, I think that that's, there's something to that. You spank a child so they won't run out in the street and get a ball and get hit by a car. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And as they get a little bit older, they're remembering that. Uh, there's a certain point when, I do recall this from my own, uh, my own familial experience, when the kids are stronger than the parents. And my brothers would fight my parents. I mean, fight back with them. I was stunned. I was like too timid for that. I would just watch the brawl. It was just unbelievable to me. And I don't remember there being any actual um, discord. It was just their reaction was completely implausible and not something that I understood from my own uh, disposition that you would actually physically fight with your parents. But they did, and they all turned out okay. So uh, I guess there's 
Corporal punishment is not a bad thing necessarily. Well, well, You're done with. Oh, you know, I, with I have a, I have a good example for, for, uh, you know, you know, I, when I was little, I also put my finger on a stove. Oh, okay. And I burned my finger, and it hurt really bad. <laughs> yes. Guess who's not putting their finger on a stove ever again? Yes, exactly. I mean, that's. It's, that is more of your, your own Jewing example, but that's exactly right. Um, if your parents, just like your, I guess it really is really kind of a bad example, but if you're, you're training your pet, um, if you, if there's some pain to something they shouldn't be doing, then they're going to remember that consequence. They're like Pavlov's dog. They're not going to do it again. So, um, so within limits, I think that corporal punishment, no matter what, you know, some of the do-gooder societal people in CPS want to do, um, the, uh, I think that it's appropriate to to use that as a disciplinary um, uh, method. But anyway, um, what happens to a child who breaks the law depends upon two things, the age of the child and what they did. If the child is 10 through 16, he or she may have to appear in juvenile court to answer charges filed against him or her by the state of Texas. If the offense is a minor one, she may go instead to municipal or just a justice court, like, you know, just when your little JP court's out here. And uh, much, and we're talking about, um, you know, crimes that are just, you know, that, that are less, um, that, uh, that you would see as a parent, like maybe shoplifting. If it's shoplifting, you're not going to juvenile court. Uh, shoplifting, like a pair of earrings at the mall, uh, more than likely you're going to the JP court and there's going to be, you know, a reprimand by your parents because they have to go with you and the judge and there's going to be some consequences of community service and what have you. But, um, and if you do it again, now that's, that's you're actually a kleptomaniac and there's a problem here. And so you're not going back just to the, the JP court. You're probably going to be hauled into juvenile. Um, but anyway, um, if, the, uh, if the child is 17, but the offense charge occurred before her 17th birthday, I don't mind seizing the word her and this is what I'm reading here. Um, he, I'm going to say he or she still, should still, it will still appear in juvenile court rather than stand trial in the adult criminal court, which is just surprising to me. If somebody is three days shy of 17, they are not getting hauled into uh, the big court, the scary court. They are still going to be handled, um, even if they appear, because there's a lot of 16, 17 year olds that look very old for their age, um, they're still going to go into the juvenile court. Now, that's kind of scary, though, for the kids that are 9 or 10 because they're being adjudicated in the same court with somebody that, uh, from a standpoint of um, just uh, experience and maturity, is much, much older than them. Um, if a child is 9 or younger, she, he or she cannot be charged with an offense in juvenile court. However, his or her behavior may indicate that abuse or neglect is present in law enforcement and... Um, CPS, and I don't think they're called CPS anymore. They have all these different um, uh, letters that stand for whatever they are, but it's going to be Child Protective Services that come around to investigate what's going on in the case. Now, this can be pretty bad, though, because you may have a very intelligent uh, nine-year-old or you may have a very manipulative parent that will use their children to do their dirty deeds like little gypsies. So this is also a problem, and that's when the parents have to come involved, and that's why CPS gets involved. All right, so um, we're going to get ready to take a break. This is the Legal Connection Show. We're talking about juvenile law. Hopefully, we're answering some of your questions about kids, and we will come back to you in a little bit. talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out IRLoneStar.com sponsor for more information. Or call in and leave us a message at 936-647-3776. Relax with a cup of joe or your favorite drink for the Conroe Lake Conroe Chamber of Commerce Chamber Chat. The show airs on the first Tuesday of the month at 11 a.m. on Lone Star Community Radio. Join hosts Courtney Galley and Brian Bondi as they chat about the Chamber's events and programs for the month 
and invite chamber members into the studio to talk about their upcoming events and businesses. Learn about your chamber with Chamber Chat every first Tuesday at 11 a.m. This is Tony L. Collins with the Legal Connection Show, and uh, the time has just flown by unbelievably because we didn't get to near what I wanted to get into with juvenile law and uh, what you can experience when you go to court with your children, um, what uh, the different places, what, what some of the alternatives are. Um, but we will get into that in our next discussion. We'll answer some more questions for you, maybe perhaps off the air. Um, this is the Legal Connection Show. You can reach us at uh, www.legalconnectionshow.com. You can give us a call on voicemail, 281-529-5862. We're on uh, the air between 12 and 1 every Tuesday. You can hear us on FM 104.5 and uh, FM 106.1. We have a podcast. You can just Google us. You can go to um, IR uh, Lone Star. uh, You know, I always forget what the call words are, but if you go to uh, www.irlonestar.com, you can get more information about our show and listen to the podcast. Um, So uh, if you have any questions about juvenile law, if you have any questions about any law, please give us a, a call uh, or email us, ask us on Facebook. And uh, I just want, it's Holy Week, make sure y'all go to church. Uh, and remember, uh, importantly, that you serve God by serving your neighbor. Uh, so go forward and serve God. So I guess I will talk to y'all next week. Cheer will join us again. Hopefully our show next week will be uh, to continue this discussion on juvenile law and to go forward on uh, annexation. That's going to be our topic. Thank you for checking out this production of Lone Star Community Radio. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station. Don't forget to check out this show and many others across the Lone Star Community Radio Network, either live on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, the Lone Star Internet Radio app, or IRLoneStar.com's live audio stream, and on replay on podcast Channel 12's Our City TV and Conroe, or Channel 21 KVQT in Houston, and of course their YouTube channel. This production is copyrighted and all rights are reserved by Lone Star Community Radio. Have a question regarding this program or other Lone Star Community Radio shows? Want to sponsor or start your own show? Call the station message line at 936-647-3776 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.